Hello and welcome to the Speaking Out podcast from the New Mexico Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Our goal is to highlight our programs and the amazing work that they're doing around the state, provide discussion around the topics of domestic violence, and create an environment of education and empowerment for anyone that may be experiencing domestic violence. This week, we are talking to one of our Advocates of the Month, Molly Dolores of Roberta's Place, Inc. Molly works as a client service coordinator, legal advocate, and CCBP supervisor. First, I have on O'Shea to talk to us about why she nominated Molly. O'Shea, could you tell me a little bit about why you nominated Molly as one of your Advocates of the Month? Nominated Molly, well, first, because of her passion in this field. It really comes through with her work and the words that she uses, the way that she comes across to her clients. She is a survivor herself. And so she she has a real passion for our clients. She will fight for our clients. She knows more than than probably anyone I've ever met about being an advocate. She has an idea for everything. She's just amazing all the way around. And our clients and Roberta's Place, they're so lucky to have her. And she's such an asset for our team. Thank you so much, O'Shea, for nominating Molly. And we are so excited to talk to her. Let's hear our conversation with Molly. Thank you so much for joining me today. And congratulations on being July's Advocate of the Month. Could you tell me a little bit about yourself and the organization that you work for and what your role is with them? Sure. Thank you for this great honor. My name is Molly Dolores. I am a member of the Laguna Pueblo here in New Mexico. I work for Roberta's Place Incorporated in Grants, New Mexico. I've been employed at Roberta's Place for going on nine years now. I am the Children's Program Supervisor and also the client services director, and also legal advocate and case manager. I am the mother to three children. I have two sons. My oldest is in med school, and my middle, he also works for our organization. He's a CRISPR manager here at Roberta's Place. Funny thing is, he's always wanted to be an advocate for us, but because I oversee the advocates, he has to be an interpreter position with a different supervisor but he he really enjoys being here and my daughter she's 16 she will be a senior this year so I'm looking forward to seeing where they they go in life and I've been a survivor of domestic violence actually reverse place was our last stop on our journey all those years ago my children my eldest was six my middle was three and my daughter was six months when we were finally able to leave safely for the last time, which took us a total of 53 times to leave safely when we showed up on the doorstep at Roberta's place and they helped us get to where we are today. That is so amazing that you were able to go from that using their services to now being in a position of helping others. So is that what made you decide to become an advocate? Um, actually, no, I, I was on a totally different path. After we left shelter, I went back to school and I got my master's degree. I was working towards becoming a administrator for a nursing home. So I was going to do long-term care and I was more like looking to do business, things, finance and different things like that. But as time went on and I, and I was working more and more, 
I got really burnt out and something happened and we had a loss in the family and I just wasn't allowed to take time off work. So I decided to give myself the time off from work and within a month I had seen that there was an ad in the paper for an advocate's position at Roberta's Place. I called up the executive director whom I've had a relationship with since I was a client at Roberta's Place to the years. And we talked and she said, well, you know, it's, it's really different from what you're doing. We want to make sure that you're okay and you're prepared for the work because there's a lot of things that may come up, vicarious trauma and situations that may be similar to what you experience. So I interviewed, got hired the next day. I was out of work for exactly one month. Um, it, it just, I started out at the shelter. And then within a year, I came over to the administrative office where I've been ever since. And so it's just been a very encouraging journey that I've been given the opportunity to work with and to work for more than anything, helping others like in similar situations that I experienced, different situations, helping them, you know, be part of their lives or for them to trust me along with my other co-workers to be part of their lives and to be part of the journey. How do you feel like your experience as a survivor has helped shape how you show up as an advocate? It gives me the opportunity to encourage somebody to show them that you can move beyond being, even move beyond victimization, move beyond survivorship to a whole new different plateau that it's possible. It allows me to encourage uh, folks to help them on their healing journey and just to be present, right? Rather than to have somebody say, oh, I understand when they've never experienced, but to really be in those moments with folks, to be in those moments of vulnerability and to hold it and to honor it for them. It gives me an opportunity to feel that what I experienced all those years ago has come around like it had a purpose, right? Even though there were days where I just didn't know if I was going to survive, if, if, if I was going to wake up the next day, if we were going to be let out of the closet, if we were going to have another meal, if we were going to make it home from where we were hitchhiking from or we have been stranded and just forgotten about. Those are the things that help me move forward to help the folks that come through our doors here at Roberta's Place, whether it's in the shelter or at the administrative office. It's those phone calls that we receive on the crisis line and understanding that, you know, we may only have the one chance to connect with people. And so it's very important in how you talk to someone, how you approach someone and what they're going through and validating it and also listening to them and just being open to help. I just want to thank you for sharing that piece of your life. So what do you think is one of the most important aspects of your job as an advocate? I believe one of the most important aspects of my job is showing up and being present. Being open to whatever's going to happen during the day, I can have my schedule all laid out, you know, agenda planned, 
but it may not always fall into place that way. And so just being ready and willing to take on whatever comes through the door or on the phone, being prepared to not only go to great lengths to protect those that were helping, but also to protect myself and, and my work family, you know, emotionally, physically, holding each other and honoring each other. I guess mainly just being vulnerable enough so that the trust is there to and the process can happen and knowing uh, what resources are available and knowing where to start looking for help. If we're not the place to help, then let's start helping to search for, for other resources or our agencies to, you know, get the assistance that's needed. What do you think is one of your biggest successes as an advocate? One of my biggest successes is probably has to be working with the children through the Children's Capacity Building Project, seeing families succeed, seeing children that started out with us when we were one of the pilot projects, now going on to be in healthier home environments. When I see them out in the community, they're, health, they're healthy, they're happy. You know, they recognize me. They come back for just refresher sessions. Some of the biggest successes are just seeing folks get into their own housing, you know, believing in themselves. Or going being afraid of the unknown is, is the biggest part because that's so scary. You're holding on to hope or, and things that you may not be able to grasp in it. And you're holding on to bad decisions and swinging over that unknown and you're afraid to to jump in because you don't know what's going to happen next. But seeing folks move beyond that and then just going on to school, finding employment, you know, embracing single parenthood or going into new relationships, but with a better understanding of, of what's going to be right for them. And like I said, the children just just growing and and them having their, their chances lessened of being a victim or offender. That's a big part of it. And seeing that in our community and our local community and knowing that somehow, some way, I've had a little part in that. That's that's a success for me. What are your aspirations for your future? Do you plan to continue advocacy in this field or, or what do you have planned? I plan to continue advocacy here at Rebecca's Place where as long as I can. Um, my daughter is becoming a senior in high school, so I've always had goals for myself. My children tease me about being a bookworm and always wanting to go back to school. So I'm looking to start my doctorate program and to continue my education. I want to be able to continue to get to my community, but also maybe later on down the road when I become an empty nester. <laughs> I always talked about and, and dreamed about starting like a mobile crisis unit, going, you know, from town to town, providing services, even transportation services, because that's such a a barrier for some, for, for folks. It was a barrier for us when we were trying to leave transportation to get to somewhere safely and just providing case management services on the fly, on the road, on uh, notary services, things that people may need, you know, for divorces, for separation, for protection, or things like that. And th- those are my goals. And, and I just hope that, you know, I'm able to carry that out somehow. 
So along those lines, what do you think your community struggles with the most? Here in our community, there's a, a lot of struggles with finding affordable housing or housing for, for families of a larger size, you know, limited to the availability of low-income housing. Along with that goes the employment, transportation. You know, we have a small transit system, but there is no other alternatives to that. And know we get transportation. So for getting a ride in the evenings or even on the weekends is hard. It's maintaining jobs, right? And, and the level of the access to jobs that would generate the kind of income for someone to become successful without, you know, having to carry more than one job or to be away from their family. And along with that, you know, child care and, and just different things like that, I, I guess it's just more of, I wouldn't say a rural problem, but it, it, it's an issue for us here. And also, too, just opening up conversations about domestic violence, which still is kind of taboo with the communities that we live in and that we serve here in the local area and the surrounding Native American communities where, you know, people still try to take care of that within their own and it's not openly you know talked about or even addressed and the shame that comes with it and the folks that come to us for help then go back to those communities and and maybe shunned or you know afraid to come back with anything. If someone was listening to this in your community and wanted to know how they could make a difference what would you suggest for them to do? I would say, first and foremost, if they didn't know who we were or, you know, what our organization does, to knock on the door. Come in and say hello. To put a face to our name, to the name of Burns Place, right? And for them to take a tour around and, and get to know us. The things that we need the most are donations, right, for unrestricted things. Because we get grants, we get donations, but they're they're usually always directed towards something. But they're survivors and victims that may need something that's out of the ordinary or that, that's just not covered under the umbrella of something else. So maybe a small donation for unrestricted funds. We always could use furniture for those survivors that are you know, moving out into their own places, vehicles. <laughs> if somebody wanted to donate a vehicle, that'd be wonderful. Clothing, undergarments that's gently used or, or new. And access to health care. That's a big one. Paying for prescriptions, paying for birth certificates, driver's licenses, identification cards, gas, like gas vouchers, gas cards. These are things that folks need or just access to groceries. Um, I'm sorry, there's just such a long list of, of things that people could do or merely just supporting us if we were having an event, right, or just simply spreading the word about our organization and the work that we do. If you know of someone who is experiencing domestic violence, you know, or if it's you yourself, you know, don't hesitate to call. Just know that we're here to support and it's good without any judgment at all that we're going to answer that phone or open the door. So my last question is supposed to be kind of a fun one because we talk about really heavy stuff. What do you do to take care of yourself? 
lots of lots of music, lots of breathing, reading when I can. You know, just getting out, spending a lot of time outdoors. Of course, spending time with my kids as much as they allow me to now because they're kind of in their their own way, but um, the different animals too. We have. We have my fur babies, and we have cows and horses and, and sheep that we have. But in thinking about, you, you know, with the recent loss of my father, really taking the idea of what he wanted to do in preparation for, for his upcoming hunt that he got drawn for was, you know, to get back out walking and getting himself ready and healthy. And he always, he told me, you know, he would ask me, when are you off? You know, when, when's your day off so we can go out and spend some time together? So really honoring that for myself and, and getting myself back to where I need to be. I, I like to bake. I, I so I know there's times where I don't have a lot of time to do things because I'm just always so caught up with we're taking care of others, but really now focusing on me and being selfish that way. Um, <laughs> I guess it's not being exactly selfish, but, you know, sticking to my goals, I, I guess. And, and really finding out what life is beyond children. And I look forward to that. As hard as that, that's going to be the base to not be needed all the time by my kids, but to have an opportunity to kind of find out new things I can discover and new places I can go to. I would say, you know, it definitely isn't selfish to take care of yourself. It's important that you take care of yourself so that you can take care of others. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for talking with me today. And again, congratulations on being one of our July Advocates of the Month. It's been so wonderful to hear about you and the work that you're doing. And of course, you know, about your program and the, and the clients that you serve. Is there anything else you can think of that you'd like to share before we leave? I would just like to thank everybody at the coalition, uh, my team here at Roberta's Place, our, our family here, and those that continue to do this work, whether you're doing it consciously, unconsciously, you know, advocating for folks, um, helping somebody along the line. And without the continued support, our people wholeheartedly doing this work, um, survivors and victims couldn't be on their healing journeys or encouraged to move forward. For me, you know, it hits home to know that there's somebody going to continue this work and hopefully one day we will start seeing the, the numbers lessen in the future. And that's all we can do is just work towards teaching and and showing a different way of life. So those that come after us can have the means to live in, in a world where relationships are promoted in a healthy environment. Well, again, thank you so much for all of the work that you're doing and dedicating so much of your life to that service. I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm so sorry to hear about your father, and I really hope that, yeah, you, you'll be able to have some time for yourself. I, I will, and, you know, and just continuing the work, and just one thing I want to say about that is that all those years ago, when he found out, 
where we were at Rivera's place and how close we were to home, where right where he was. Um, it was without hesitation when I finally got a hold of him because I was isolated for so many years and not allowed to talk to my family. Um, my ex-husband had went as far as to have a fake funeral for me and my oldest son. My parents didn't know that I had my two other children. So he was really taken aback when I called his work because I didn't know his home phone number. I didn't know his cell phone number. So I called the last place I knew I could get a hold of him. He was a police officer for the Pueblo of Luna, a conservation officer for over 25 years. So I called the dispatch number. And they told me, like, why are you trying to mess with Darwin? You know, you know his daughter is not alive. And I know that's me. I said, just have him call his number. And he called, he's like, I don't know who you are. And so I told him, gave him information only that me and him went out. And he broke down. He's like, where are you? I told him, he goes, well, how long have you been there? I'm coming to get you. I said, well, I have to pack my stuff. He's like, don't worry about it. Just get ready. I'm coming for you. And he took me home to the house that we live in now, that where we lived with him. And my grandfather told me, you know, in our language that I never had to leave again, that that was home. And my father ensured that we didn't leave, that he provided for us everything that we needed. And he told me, I know I don't have to leave anymore. There's no reason to leave home and be away from home anymore. Because now with you and the kids being in the home, it's that's what it is with the home. And so I'm just very grateful for the time and the years that we did have for him and the opportunity that he gave me to to do this work, to raise my kids, to be their father, to be their role model. So it's with that I, you know, I honor him in the things that I do today. Um, him encouraging me to learn how to drive because when I moved home, I was semi-agoraphobic. So it was hard for me to get outside <laughs> for long periods of time. He forced me to get a job. <laughs> he forced me to go to school in person. forced me to learn how to drive to take care of my kids. But it was him being mean, right? But it was just him teaching me to live. And if that's something that I can do for the people that I work with, for my guests in the shelter, for the participants that I have them walk through the door, even if I just see them once or twice, to encourage them, to give them words for them to hear, for them to just, Feel the genuineness, right? When we let them know that that we're here and they can move forward, and it's just going to take time. And I wish I had that magic fairy dust for everybody, but but I don't. But it's just knowing that standing strong and you know putting the focus on helping myself and others to continue to to thrive. Right, and to get to that place of thriving, and and that's what success is. It's just knowing that you can do it silently, and you just reach that plateau where you're okay, and just loving yourself, 
is the major thing. And becoming okay with the scars, with the ailments that come along with the abuse, right? I mean, with every lip that I have, with every scar I have all over my body, the cigarette burns, the scars on my stomach where he tried to pull out my son before he was born, being thrown down the places, the broken jaw, the broken nose, you know, all of that. It hasn't, it hasn't stopped my heart from healing. And, and that's, that's the face that I show everybody that, that I come in contact with, that I help. And with my family here, you know, with, the, with my coworkers that believe in me. And, and that's just what really drives me to continue to do this. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And what an inspiration you must be to survivors that are going through it right now and starting their healing journey, you know, to be able to hear like where you are now after going through all of that and how that must inspire them that, you know, they can do it too. I hope so. You know, I, I, I hope so. And I, I'm just so grateful that I found this path. I stumbled upon this path and, you know, um, Sally, Sally Santos, who was the executive director, that, that she took a chance on me. She took a chance on me, and through the years, the folks at the coalition, especially the children's program, have really helped to mentor me and help me through the years. So I'm truly appreciative for that, too. And I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It was an honor spending some time with you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, you know, I wish you well, and, and thank you for taking your time out to listen and hear the voices of, of us doing the work and, you know, that your healing journey and your whole journey, you know, that you just continue to to be blessed on it. And, of course, practice your self-care, you know, as well. And and thank you for the recognition. Like, it, it's moved me more than I could ever, ever imagine. We want to thank our programs that work tirelessly across the state to support those affected by domestic violence. Each and every staff member, advocate, therapist, and supporter is important. We appreciate you. If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, there is help available. Please call the hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233 or visit their website on a safe device at www.thehotline.org. Love our conversations? Make sure to subscribe, rate, and share our podcast. You can submit questions and feedback to rochelle at nmcadv.org. Thanks for listening in.